Welcome to the At The Coalface podcast with your host, Jason Greenwood. This podcast is all about what it's really like in the trenches of digital and e-commerce. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the podcast. It is my pleasure to welcome to the podcast today, Donna von der Heide from, she is the founder and chief commercial officer of Parcel Perform. Welcome, Donna. Hi, Jason. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to have you here. And we've, we're connected on LinkedIn, connected with one of your colleagues, Darren, on LinkedIn. We've had a few conversations and wanted to get you onto the podcast because you've got a very interesting piece of software that you and your team have developed specifically targeted at e-commerce around parcel tracking. But before we dig into that, we unpick that a little bit more and how Parcel Perform came to be. Just talk a little bit about your past. Now, at least from as far as I can tell, you pretty much came straight out of uni and went straight into the logistics world. You interned first at Deutsche Post DHL. Then you went full-time with DHL. You were there for over three years before you started Parcel Perform. So really from a professional career perspective, you've been in logistics pretty much from day one. Yeah, I ended up in logistics, but it was a surprise even to myself because originally I studied psychology and communication science. So wasn't in my car to have my own business or to join a logistics company. But yeah, truth be told, I got hooked. Yeah, indeed, like you said, I started my career working at DHL, did various roles there, but my, my longest stint was in corporate strategy. And I had an amazing opportunity there to really think about what does e-commerce need from the logistics industry to really serve their needs? And one thing that always came up was uh, the topic of visibility. I was in corporate strategy. We defined the e-commerce strategy, did a rollout in Asia, which also brought me 2012 for the first time to Singapore. And it really got me hooked because I got to learn that logistics is what keeps the world moving, but there's just so much opportunity to improve, to like really iron things out and you know how it is. Sometimes from within a big corporate it's hard to drive change i took the leap and decided to start my own company together with my co-founder arna it's now more than six years ago actually we back in singapore were ready to change the industry and came up with this really interesting problem statement of telling people where their parcels are in a streamlined manner because we realized there's no global standard for parcel tracking quite surprisingly all the big logistics companies out there do it in a very different shapes and forms. And there needed to be someone to clean up this mess and empower brands to actually engage customers post-purchase and give them this really crucial part of their experience back. It is, you're spot on. And I think that this has become even more critical over the last couple of years as supply chains have become strained, as internal logistics and outbound and inbound and reverse logistics have become strained globally. From, from all the way from manufacturer to end customer and back to retailer, that entire process has really come under massive pressure over the last 24 or a bit more months due to COVID. And so your timing couldn't have been better. You've been doing this for a long time now, and you guys were obviously very well established by the time COVID hit, got four offices, Singapore, Germany, Vietnam, US, you were well down the path of being well integrated with many of the large percentage of the global global courier providers. And as you mm -hmm. rightly point out, obviously from an e-commerce perspective, this becomes 
an essential part of the customer experience. It's not just getting them their parcel when they order something online, but it's all about the level of communication that happens around that experience, right from the point where they've literally handed over their money to the point where the parcel is actually in their hand. They smile, they cut it open, and they're happy with what they've received. And there's a lot that actually has to happen in between those two seemingly innocuous points. And that's really yeah. exactly where you guys play. Yeah, exactly. It's quite interesting, like you said, right? I think now more than ever, people understand how crucial logistics is for the overall success of an e-commerce play. When supply chains are tight, when ships are clocked in canals, when you even have a supply crisis with a lot of the COVID impacts that we see in the world, everyone is talking about getting the orders and the goods where they need to be and then smoothly delivering them to customers. And the other thing that we're seeing that's also super interesting, I feel, is the fact that the scaling e-commerce gets more and more expensive. If you look into the e-commerce market, everyone is investing in customer acquisition, really getting new clients for your web store. But the thing that is much easier actually for e-commerce merchants to execute is to drive upselling, to drive loyal customers, to keep them coming back. And for that the whole experience after checkout is so crucial. And by owning them and by bringing this experience into the environment of the merchant, they can uh, save some valuable dollars from retargeting customers with a newsletter a few weeks later, but already right from the get-go, really keeping them engaged, making sure they have brand building there, they can drive up selling. But also we want to have the internal teams because obviously in a time when supply chains are a mess, a hot mess out there, it's extremely important to not just give a good experience to end consumers, but also to the internal teams. So if you're in logistics and you're scrambling to know when an order arrives in the warehouse, even before you can get it to the customer, or when carriers are actually increasing their rates and you need to make sure that you pick the right one. With Parcel Perform, we decided to not just cater to the whole end consumer experience, but also to offer kind of products that have the internal teams like customer service, like the logistics departments, to have all the visibility they need and to make a much more efficient job out of it. And of course, also to save costs. And yeah, like you said, we started right on time six years ago and we started in Asia because if you look at it, especially for those coming from Europe or the US, logistics seems a lot easier there because you have a lot few players, there's a lot less cross-border. But if you look into Asia, uh, with all the cross-border shipments in Southeast Asia alone, it's living in Singapore, stuff is coming from China. The first leg is done by China Post. They update in something Chinese that no one understands before it actually hits Singapore. So back then, we really started off wanting to clean up this hot mess in Asia first. And it has served us extremely well because that was probably the most complicated market to crack with all the languages and complexities. And we've been quite fortunate that we started there, built a super strong fundament for our product offering and then rolling it out throughout the rest of the world. And we are live in now 160 different markets was then a lot easier. And we also realized something really interesting, figuring it out in Europe and the US, a piece of cake, basically, because complexity is lower, but also looking at markets like South America, they are in many ways from a logistics standpoint, very similar to Southeast Asia because a lot cross border, a lot of mess, a lot of different different languages and time zones. Indeed, we've been very fortunate to have had this build phase six years ago. And now in times of COVID, when volumes are ramping up, when the complexity massively increased, we were able to serve customers all around the world. 
And you guys deal with one of the most fundamental issues that almost every single e-commerce merchant on the planet deals with on a daily basis, colloquial called inside the industry, Wismo. Where is my order? And I know from my days of being an e-commerce manager and helping businesses structure you know, their logistics side and their systems and customer communications and data flows, all those things. That is one of the top queries. It was all, it always ranged somewhere between sort of 20 to 30% of inbound customer service queries would be Wismo requests, which means yeah. the customer literally the day after they order something, hours after they order something, they'll be hitting you on live chat. They'll be sending you an email. They'll be ringing you mm -hmm. on the telephone. They'll be hitting you via social DM saying, where is my order? Even if you've told them straight away, when you confirm the order, and when you confirm the shipment, oh, you can expect this parcel within one to two days. Here's your tracking number. Don't check it online now because it takes a while to update in the carrier's tracking system. You can put as much information you like in the order and shipment confirmation emails. But in my experience, Wismo is still one of the top requests that every single customer service team will receive in e-commerce. Yeah, no, 100%. And it's exactly what we're seeing with so many of our customers. And you just mentioned the numbers, right? Sometimes it's up to 50%. If you really look at it, uh, people wanting to know when their order was shipped, what certain events actually means. Also stuff like, how do I get my returns really sorted out? And what really fascinated me is, is how people were dealing with, with these inquiries. Because what happens is if a customer is calling, they have an order number, but with the order number, you can usually not track. Then they have a tracking numbers and these codes can be like 10 digits. So imagine a customer service agent hanging on the phone with someone and you then have to go out and spell out a 10 or 12 digit tracking number. What the customer service agent used to do, they used to then have me tabs open or how many carriers you're working with. And then you type it in there, hoping for a result, and you end up seeing exactly the same thing that the carrier were already telling the end consumers. And like you mentioned, as human beings, we have this like weird habit of wanting to know immediately, right? So you place an order and uh, an hour after you go, huh, I wonder what happened to this, or at least a day later. But if we look into logistics, there's no way from the order kind of input to the order being in the hands of the carrier. This is done in a matter of a day that very rarely happens. So then there's this real true experience gap for end consumers where they want to know what happened. But if even if they went through the painful process of calling customer service, spelling out their 12-digit tracking number, there's no update because the carrier hasn't even had this parcel in their hands yet. And that's what we wanted to solve with Parcel Perform. We work together with our customers like Nespresso, like Zalando, Wayfair, and many others to actually do the full end-to-end -end visibility. So from the moment that the order is created, we capture the first event on our platform, but we also absorb any warehouse data. So you actually know also the process of a parcel within your warehouse. And then of course, as soon as we get last mile events in, we also nicely aggregate it, deduplicate, translate it into 35 languages. So the whole stuff becomes very intuitive. For the customer service agent to actually have a tool, they log into Parcel Perform to then look at all these shipments and they can easily search by customer name, by an order number. If there's multiple parcels in an order, they would see this. And that way they can really drive down this whole kind of lengthy process of having to dig up the information by having it immediately at hand 
having it translated into the language of the customer with the full visibility, even what happened before the carrier picked it up, which of course makes this a much more efficient process. But we believe that's only one step of the play, right? Best case, you should avoid customers having to call you because that's just a waste of time for everyone. And it's just a terrible experience. So what we do is we try to make this a very proactive approach where as soon as there's an update for our customer, you can notify the client either by email or SMS or some people even hooked us up to like their Alexa systems. So the client gets a proactive email notification in the brand of the retailer, because that's what you really want to do. You don't want to get all the DHL notifications out there where you don't know which parcel this is, what's inside, but you want to immediately get communication from the brand where you spend money on. And we can do this and quite sophisticated, right? So even if there's a delay in the warehouse, we can proactively notify the client. And PassPerform actually never shows up in this. So we facilitate the whole process, but we empower the brand to be the communicator, to build the loyalty and trust with their end consumers and for them to hopefully not even have to ever call customer service again and check where the parcel is. And we had fantastic success. For example, Nespresso, who we rolled out globally. So really anything, Canada, South America, Australia, Hong Kong, Central Europe, and they have reduced the amount of Wismo inquiries by 45%. So imagine the cost saving on that one. That is an incredible reduction. And if we start to unpick a little bit of what you've covered there, because you've covered a lot of territory, but if we start to unpick right from, the, I guess, the beginning of how brands oftentimes start out be before they turn into a Nespresso or a Nestle or a global, before they turn into a global brand, they start out, they tend to start out as a relatively small brand. And oftentimes they'll start out on a Shopify or a big commerce or something like that. And they'll be doing not a huge number of orders. And so oftentimes they'll be using the inbuilt tracking emails that come out of those e-commerce platforms as transactional emails. And usually what they'll be doing as it goes through the order management flow is they'll be copying and pasting. They'll be doing a, a dispatch and they'll usually be doing that manually. Yes. Sometimes they'll even have prepaid parcels. Then they'll copy and paste that number into the back end of a Shopify or commerce as a shipment against that order. And then the default out of the box email will go. And if you're lucky, you might be able to send not only the tracking number, but the URL of the carrier the order was shipped using so that they then can click on the URL, copy and paste the tracking number out of the email into the screen of the carrier where they can actually track their parcel. That's where the phase one for almost any brand. And then from what I see, usually the next level up or the next step up that they'll take from there is they will incorporate the, if the carrier supports this, they will incorporate the tracking number in the URL string so that when they click on that URL string, they open to the page on that carrier's tracking website with their number already input to where they can immediately see the tracking of that item. Then we move up one level from that, and then we have courier aggregators. So down here in Australia, New Zealand, we've got platforms like Shipit or Starshipit that do carrier aggregation. And they, they're not a WMS, but they're, they play part of the OMS process. And so mm -hmm. they integrate with the carriers, they pull down the tracking number, they automatically update the e-commerce websites with that tracking information because they're already integrated with the carrier. And, and at the pick pack dispatch bench, that is the platform that is used to get the parcels out the door. And so they might be working and connected with multiple carriers. But again, 
they usually, not always, but they're usually relying either on the transactional emails of the e-commerce platform or they're sending out those tracking emails themselves. And we've got the same challenges again. We've got the challenges of the customer has to put in the tracking number or even if they open up the tracking number, as you say, some carriers give more data, some carriers give less data. Sometimes it's in their language, sometimes it's not as yeah. it traverses the fulfillment network. There's a lot of barriers along the way. And one of the biggest barriers that I have seen so far is the extremely limited information that endpoint of that individual carrier will provide. And so they will oftentimes throughout that entire movement of a shipment from your warehouse to the end consumer, there might only be two or three tracked waypoints along the way as it moves from location to location or warehouse. And that's typically not enough updates for the customer. So not only is it painful for them to get this information, but even when they do get the information, it's limited and it's oftentimes inaccurate and it's incomplete. So it feels like what you set out to do was to solve for all of those scenarios to whereby you connect with those carriers, whether that be through API, whether that be through CSV, whether that be through EDI, whether that be through Carrier Pigeon, almost doesn't matter. You aggregate all those connections with all those carriers. You enhance the data that they provide with translations, and also you fill in the gaps with some of that data, right? You're plugged into the local OMS, the local WMS, maybe even the 3PL where shipments may originate from, and you're starting yeah. to fill in some of those initial gaps. And then throughout the fulfillment workflow, with your logic and your your machine learning about how specific carriers perform, et cetera, et cetera, you're starting to plug in some of these essential gaps in a way that's branded and in a way that they don't actually need to leave your website and go to 50 different carrier websites to get this information. You create a holistic experience that is enriched with unique data sets that even the carriers do not provide so that the end customer gets a much, much better experience overall. Yeah, absolutely. Jason, you hit the nail on the head there. Uh, there was a, a pretty perfect summary. And I think a few points that you said super important here, right? First and foremost, here at Pass Perform, we see ourselves as a data company because you can build the most beautiful front ends if the data that you have is not right and not on time or best is real time, then, you know, the experience is still not going to be good. So uh, what we did is, first of all, for us, it's super important that we cover 100% of all carriers our merchants are shipping with. So we have 900 of them. We're actually like on the hunt to find a few more and asking all of our customers to help us. But our guarantee, whoever is working with us, is we will have 100% of your trackable shipments in our platform. And by the way, super interesting, this does not mean only last mile shipment. This can also be first mile, anything that goes into your warehouse. This can be click and collect. This covers all your returns. But it's very important that whoever is looking for an update on a shipment, we cover 100% of it. So we build this massive data fundament. And the other thing is also, and we all know this, right? Like in times of high volumes, the carriers are also struggling by keeping their data up to date because they just deal with like uh, peak seasons. And for this, we decided to always have multiple integrations with carriers. So you just mentioned them, right? API, there's a lot of EDIs, some have webhooks, some have flat files. What we do on the parcel perform side is we really have multiple integration to make sure even if one of the integration is down on the carrier side, we would still get our merchants every possible update they could have. And this is not just the events, the timestamps and the locations fully normalized. This strikes across 60, 36 languages, but it also includes stuff like the proof of delivery. 
because sometimes you just want to know that your customer actually received it personally, that there's a signature to prove it. So we also absorb all this information. That's one. And then the other interesting thing that you just brought up is the topic of integration. And uh, yes, I mentioned Nespresso, but we also work with tons of smaller merchants because we want to enable them to have a similarly outstanding experience. So Shopify is a great example, right? For example, if you're like a smaller merchant, you don't want to spend time building integrations, not even with Perform, right? Like resources are short. What we developed is a two-click integration with Shopify. So even a small merchant, they don't have to build a big integration with us. So they hit two buttons connecting Perform to Shopify, and we automatically absorb every data that you have in there. So once we have a tracking number, there's nothing else that you need to do. It gets pushed in our system and we would automatically find all the information related to it. So there's really like very little effort that brands need to do to enable this. And some of them also decide to send emails via us, to send SMS via us, fully white labeled. But what we're also seeing specifically with smaller brands is that they work with tools like Klaviyo, for example, that's already sends emails for them. So what we did again is we said, okay, let's make this as intuitive as possible. If you want to send emails and continue sending with Klaviyo, Parcel Perform is fully integrated. So you can just trigger all notifications to the CRM that you're already working with, and it will automatically go out there. But it's very important that you have the right triggers. And I think that was the third point that you mentioned there, Jason, the matter of how much information does the carrier give you. And of course, we do a lot of event-based notifications. Carrier says X, so we should trigger an update to the customers. But what we are also increasingly seeing is that we've got to be smarter about this. If, what, if a parcel was delivered to a locker, let's give like a parcel collection point, a postal office, let's give the customer a reminder to go and actually collect it. Maybe six hours, maybe 12 hours, maybe two days after. The same thing for deliveries to your neighbor. A lot of people treat this as successfully delivered. The carrier surely does. They are done with their job. So there's no more notification. But from an end consumer standpoint, I don't hold the shipment in my hand. So it by no means is successfully delivered to myself yet. And that's why we believe in building really smart notifications, making sure that we remind customers to go to their neighbor's house, collect the parcel. We got to give them all the information where the parcel is hidden. Sometimes it's someone's porch. So all this info, we try to make sure to make available and then really build smart notifications targeted to your business because obviously everyone's shipping different stuff and different items has a different customer journey so we built in a lot of flexibility in that process now how do you deal with scenarios where a carrier has uniquely limited information now i know here in new zealand a lot of the carriers they don't have the end-to-end -end tracking and event-based information that say north america united states canada even mexico in some degrees has better data than we get down here so you're yeah. somewhat limited by the information and the data that the carriers provide you however i'm guessing that through some sort of machine learning or ai capability that you also have a sense, for example, if a region, if a specific carrier going into a specific region is continuing to have additional delays over what their target delivery times are for that typical service. Let's say it's DHL Express going from New Zealand to Germany, that there's, there's at the moment, there tends to be an extra two day average delay over and above what their target service time would typically be. 
Now, do you guys take that kind of thing into account when you're presenting back to the customer an expected yeah. delivery date? If, okay, the carrier is saying they're going to get it to us by this date, or this is the target time, but we know for a fact that is never going to happen. So we don't want to set the wrong expectation for the end consumer, even though we don't have up-to-date data from the carrier. So we've got to enrich that data with information we have across our entire network of carriers globally. Absolutely. We know what's going on better in some cases than the carriers themselves do. No, absolutely. And I think you bring up like a super important point here, right? Customers want to know when their parcel arrive. And historically, we are telling people where their parcel is, but what do I have to gain from knowing it's in a sorting center? That doesn't give me anything. So the point is really to communicate as intuitively as possible to clients. And, and there's this term called EDD, right? Estimated delivery date. And this can be historically two things, right? Either it's a promise that the merchants are giving their customers at checkout. And Amazon does this extremely well. Others just do like predictions that more sound like in five to 10 days, your parcel will arrive. I'm not even sure I would then buy at this merchant because it might be easier to walk to a store. So there's this predictions, very rough ones and that merchants are giving to their clients. Then we have the carrier so the logistics partner, that if you're lucky, they give you an EDD prediction. But we, what we realized also analyzing more than 900 carriers, only about 5% of all logistics partners actually have an EDD, especially in more difficult countries. Carriers don't even dare to give you one. If they do, then surprisingly or not surprisingly, they are often wrong. And what we found, and this is also really striking, is that they are often too conservative because carriers are measured on their EDD compliance, right? So if you sign a contract, if you ship a lot of volume, carriers got to give you some sort of promise of how many percent of their deliveries are delivered within X days. So to not make their life hard, they're usually quite conservative. Instead of saying two days, which might be the usual 90%, they say two to five days. Still bad experience for the customer because they need to know when they would be at home. If the carrier comes earlier than expected, you're lucky because you have the item earlier, but you might also not have been at home. And we really want to tackle this problem to make sure that customers get a reliable prediction. And a good thing for us, we sit on probably the biggest data set for our last mile delivery. We have more than 100 million parcel updates every day. So we see heaps of data and we managed to, based on that, develop our own algorithm that helps us to very accurately predict when a parcel will arrive. And now, obviously, the power of this is to start as early as possible because carriers give you a prediction when they touch the parcel so far too late because that's like the last leg of the delivery journey but best case you make a prediction already at checkout and we can do this and because obviously on the one hand we can train our the machine learning algorithm with historic data so we know if you check out this certain product item if you deliver to this postal code this is roughly what it will be but we also get very accurate because we can incorporate any warehouse events a lot of the delay sometimes is actually not even always the last mile carrier. And the delay might also just come from your warehouse. We have staff shortages. We had all the COVID issues and the shift changes in there. So by incorporating the warehousing events from our merchants, our predictions at checkout get super, super accurate. And we've seen fantastic opportunity here for e-commerce merchants about a 20% uptake of conversion rates at checkout. It's huge money we're talking by telling the customer, if you check out now, your parcel will arrive on Tuesday. 
And the magic is to really give a concrete date. And we have more than 90% accuracy in the very first prediction. Now, obviously, sometimes things happen that are unforeseeable, like the warehouse, despite usually always being on time and being very predictable, so to say, might have a delay. So what we offer also is, of course, to continue to give customers updates throughout that journey. So if we already know something takes longer in the warehouse, we already know it might not be Tuesday. So the customer doesn't have to wait for the carrier to give them an update, but we enable the merchants to give a quick product pro predictive update whenever there's a change. So clients can flexibly also change when they want to be at home or maybe even sometimes determine that they instead wanted to deliver to a collection point. Makes complete sense. Now, the other thing that I absolutely love, and it gets back to that customer service pain that Wismo creates, is that not only is Wismo tend to be oftentimes the lion's share, the biggest single type of query that an e-commerce business will receive, but then to also resolve those on a case type basis tend to be the longest to resolve queries as well. So we've got a double whammy. We get a huge percentage of Wismo requests, but it also, yeah. from a customer service time per query, is one of the longest to resolve, as you rightly pointed out, because we've got to have three tabs open, four tabs open with the different carriers we work with. We've got to have a tab open on maybe our WMS, maybe in our OMS, maybe in our ERP, maybe in our e-commerce backend, depending on mm -hmm. where we're getting that initial data from to start making the query in the first place. And then, as you say, we're oftentimes getting information that the carriers have already given to the customer and we have no more information than they do. And so we say, okay, let's, we're going to, we're I'm going to look into this for you. I'm going to investigate and I'll come back to you. And then it goes into the help desk queue and on it goes. Now, what I love about your platform is you are surfacing the same level of enriched data to customer service teams as you are to the end consumer. So not only are you updating the customers in real time, but for those really serious customers that are going to make a Wismo request, no matter what you give them and no matter what you tell them, this is going to allow you to help resolve those cases significantly faster than without parcel performance. And I like some of the screenshots that you provided whereby, you know, you can filter your shipment screen. You can filter by date range. You can filter by issue type. You can filter by any issues that may be active or inactive, where a shipment is outside of the SLA that maybe you promised to the customer. Also the mm -hmm. target region of final delivery. There's a whole lot of smarts that are built into the UI layer that you surface to customer service teams to be able to get answers very quickly for themselves and for the end customer. Yeah, Jason, and thanks for pointing this out because that's also something we really care about. Like what we see in the industry is by the time the customer calls you, they're already upset. It's too late. Customer service tends to be much too reactive to customer complaints. And this is not just the case for customer service. It's exactly the same thing for the logistics departments. Don't we all know it? A month later, they have an analyst churning through their data and then they can go, oh yeah, actually last month we had a lot more damaged parcels that obviously never arrived uh, with the client. Now, this is such a immense like work and effort, and it's generally just looking at problem, problems historically. So we wanted to make this a lot more proactive, and that's why we developed all these filters that you just mentioned. So on a parcel by parcel layer, you can just filter and say, look, I want to see all parcels shipped today that will be late to the customer. I want to see all parcels that had the wrong address, all parcels and shipments that were damaged or that are stuck in customs. So instead of waiting for the customer to call or logistics to analyze the data a lot later, 
you get this very proactive kind of bookmarks that we have established where on a day-by-day -day case, you can see what's going wrong with your deliveries. And you then have the unique opportunity to actually reach out to the carrier and resolve them before the client is calling, before your NPS score is going to go down because customers are upset. You would know before the customer noticed and you can resolve it as fast as possible. Send the list of items that have a problem very quickly to your carrier. Call up your warehouse if it's stuck there and just get this stuff out as a you is a huge driver on the one hand to drive up your NPS. We, we had a client just now, actually a small D2C brands here in Germany. They are like a huge Amazon seller been growing like crazy. And they realized that they could improve their NPS by 20% just by making sure that they are a lot more proactive with their customer service. And by the way, also asking their customers for feedback when the time is right and only ask when the parcel was actually delivered. So on the one hand, really fantastic stuff to drive up your NPS, but on the other, and this is very dear to me coming from logistics, enabling the logistics departments to also go back and analyze that data in real time to see, hey, my transit time into a particular region was longer than usual. The carrier had a lot more issues with the wrong address because that allows you then pick the right partner, the right logistics partner to really facilitate the growth and just make a lot more smarter decisions and reduce costs on your logistics, which obviously has a big impact on your overall e-commerce margin. And I guess this also gives e-commerce merchants significantly more leverage when they're renegotiating rates with carriers, when they're renegotiating service levels, when they're deciding which carriers to keep, which ones perhaps to drop, when they're, I guess it just gives them so much more data and it gives them an opportunity to compare carriers side by side using end-to-end -end data and global data, particularly if they're doing cross-border shipping this gives them a whole lot more tools in their toolbox that they then can go to their carers and they say, hey, look, we've actually got more data about your shipments than you do, uh, particularly around performance. And you guys are not meeting the performance requirements that we contracted to, particularly at these two out of three service levels, for example. We expect maybe a credit of a certain percentage over the last six months, or we're going to renegotiate our rates for the next six months because your service level is not what you've guaranteed. And so it feels like this is a very much an empowerment play for e-commerce merchants to be on a more level footing with the carriers so that they actually have some leverage to go into a pretty competitive discussion with. Yeah, absolutely spot on. And this becomes more and more important in the current environment where carrier rates are going up where it's actually hard to find carriers that are handling your volumes. Some of our clients, they get some form of a dashboard from their carrier. They've been smart about it, right? Like they all have like different KPIs to report. So it's almost impossible to actually eye to eye compare your carrier performance with each other. They all have a different dashboard. You cannot export it and never trust the statistic that you didn't develop yourself. We are, and we want it to be really the neutral ground in here. We are, we are not telling people and forcing them to switch their carrier, but we allow you to make an educated decision on whether they were actually in line with the SLA promise. And if not, you would actually see it compared to all the other logistics services that you bought. You can, of course, enrich this data also with the cost of logistics to then really pick the best carrier on a certain trade lane, considering what your customers actually want. And that's also another element here is we allow you to also ask your customers for feedback. Maybe we shouldn't just judge by uh, the cost of delivery 
and actually the transit times, we should also incorporate one more additional data point, which is asking your customers for an NPS type feedback on how much they like the delivery. And we found some really interesting stuff there where maybe it's not always about the fastest delivery option, but the most convenient one. And clients have ratings and they can leave ratings as part of the tracking widget and their notifications when we send this out. So the, the modern head of logistics actually has a dashboard in real time where they can compare all the carrier performances with each other to make the right choice. But they can also compare how happy the clients were with these delivery services and make that an additional data point for their decision making. Awesome. It becomes an essential part of your BI tooling in internal to the business. And so you can then also plumb that data out into external BI tooling that you may have. Maybe you're running Tableau or maybe you're running Domo or you're running some other BI tooling within the business. And I'm guessing that you have an API connect connection, not only to the carriers and not only to those internal systems for OMS, WMS, et cetera, but also an endpoint where I can grab this data out and standardize it into my BI tooling and reporting back to the business and back to the carriers. So it feels this is an end-to-end -end solution, but you don't clarify for me, as I understand it, you do not consider yourself a carrier integrator in the sense that you're not, you haven't set out to replace the likes of a ship it or a starship it that effectively logs the consignments between the merchant and the carrier and pulls down the tracking information, the label information, et cetera, et cetera. That's not the gap you're trying to fill. So you actually would pull data from those carrier aggregators because those are the ones that are actually lodging the shipments. Or I guess if they're sending that shipment information back to the e-commerce platform itself, then you're plugged into the e-commerce platform. So you're already getting the tracking data. So you really are the glue that happens throughout the fulfillment lifecycle and but you're not a courier aggregator you're not a courier integrator for actually providing the fulfillment solution to the merchant yeah spot on again there's so much opportunity in the sole aggregation of tracking data and that also makes us a truly neutral provider right not being affiliated to any of our 900 carriers and reselling their labels we wanted to really be the neutral ground that yeah like you said glues together the industry and provides visibility to everyone and the interesting part is we also work with a lot of carriers and because they work with service partners they don't know where their shipments are and so there's been like really big carriers that we've been working with like b post where we are actually enriching their tracking platforms, uh, even if they don't have full visibility across all the service partners they might have outsourced their deliveries to. So we really see ourselves as a completely neutral partner in this very complex game of e-commerce logistics. We also uh, launched a website called uh, Pass and Monitor that we had right from the get-go, which is a community page where we also share a lot of knowledge on how to deal with carriers, how to decide, where we give like global reports or country-specific reports to educate the entire environment and to really build these seasoned, modern heads of logistics, heads of e-commerce that utilize data to make the right decisions. And yeah, we see ourselves as a open platform here. And I think that's also an important point that you just brought up. If you want to send emails with your own system, if you want to have the data all in your Power BI tool, if you want to connect your Zendesk or ticket management system with the help of our triggers, then we would love to do that. Like we don't force people to just be stuck with our environment, but we are an open system. Everything is available by API or webhooks or flat files for those of the customers that we have that need them to really leverage the data as best as they can. And the other thing that I also really learned in this industry 
is it's all about really serving your customers well. So we also noticed when we have customer service members actively using our platform, they have questions about what the status mean, how to update the customer. And we also want to support them. So at PassPerform, we decided to also have a 24 hour live chat. So whoever, you know, on the merchant side is dealing with this data, has a question or wants to integrate a new carrier very quickly, which is what we love to do. You just ping us on our live chat, you get immediate support. Standard median response time right now is two minutes throughout 24 hours a day. So we really want to be the supporter of the brands in whatever they need in this environment. And one thing we are currently developing, which we're super excited about, we were just rolling this out as our returns module. Because you spoke about labels, and I think one element where a lot of merchants have figured out the label creation, but they haven't figured out the whole process of the returns facilitation. And the cool thing is, we already know all the parcels that went out. Uh, our customers can upload shipment line items, so we also know what's inside the parcel. So from our standpoint, the next logical step is to really help them facilitating the entire returns process. And that, of course, sometimes involves labels, which we are, which we in that case, then happy to support. But the, the most important thing is to also make this part very intuitive for customers, allow them to quickly register a return, quickly email them a label, but also then orchestrate the entire refunds process because and that is the key secret ingredients to orchestrating a good returns process. If you give the client the refund, the moment that the carrier has the parcel, which is then pretty safe for you, if you trust your clients that far, their repurchasing rate goes up because they already got the money back in the bank. Um, so this is where, from a parcel perform side, we are also currently heavily investing and rolling this out with some pretty sizable customers already. So this becomes almost like adding like almost like a loop returns onto your core product for the reverse logistics piece. Exactly. That's what we're doing because we anyway know all the parcels that are going out. We know what's inside. Adding returns is just the next logical step and something that is very much needed in the industry right now. Couldn't agree more. Now, how do you guys, because you're a SaaS platform and you connect to all these APIs with carriers and with merchants and obviously their BI tools and their internal WMSs, OMS, 3PLs. You're a SaaS platform, obviously. It's fully hosted by you guys. It's not anything the merchant has to host. So I'm guessing that you have that kind of typical SaaS model. You've got maybe a monthly fee combined with, I don't know, maybe it's a per query, per parcel query fee or something like that. How do you guys actually make your money? Yeah, very good question. So we also wanted to keep this this one pretty straightforward. We have a transaction-based model based on the annual shipment volume that you have. In fact, we don't care how often you query for a single parcel. We also don't care how many notifications you send out. You basically come on board, you tell us how many parcels you intend to track with us, and we then give you basically usually like an annual rate for the tracking of these parcels and you then decide which additional services you want to have. Of course, there's like a little bit of an add-on fee per parcel if you want to send out notification or if you want to us to do the prediction. But we build our core service in a way that we believe is already adding tremendous value to everyone without needing any additional service. So whoever comes on board gets full access to all track and trace data. They can get it out of our system as well. They get a tracking widget that they can neatly implement on their website. It's a ready to deploy code snippet. So it's really like a matter of an hour to just plug that into your website or your Shopify store. You get the full access to the customer service model and all the analytics because we really want to give the power back to the merchants. Hence, 
all these four elements that I just mentioned are always part of our core subscription. You just tell us how many parcels you want us to track and we give you like a nice rate per parcel there. And that's all that is to it. Really keeping it simple here. Sounds pretty bloody reasonable. And uh, always some SaaS models are ultra complex and it almost doesn't feel like SaaS anymore, but having a super clean, crystal clear subscription model that's based on a transaction makes absolute sense. And in your case, a shipment is a transaction. So that, that makes complete sense. Now, is there anything other that you've already talked a little bit about reverse logistics and wanting to enhance the platform to be able to manage more of the reverse logistics process? But other than that, are there any functionalities within your platform that either you don't have today or that you say, hey, within the next 6, 12, 18 months, we'd love to either add this functionality or we would like to significantly enhance an existing functionality we already have. Now, I know you want to connect to more carriers and you want to tackle that reverse logistics piece, but is there anything else that's high on your priority list right now that you're getting customers that are crying for that additional functionality that you don't yet solve for? Yeah, we have so many ideas. If you get me started, this podcast will probably last for another hour. But there's two things that are important for us. One is to continuously upgrade our existing functionality. And these are generally free upgrades that we do for our clients. And we just learn so much from them. So a lot of this stuff is about reporting and how you want to cut and have these reports. We are just launching like an automatic email function to receive all your reports on a daily basis on top of the hour in your inbox so it's even more intuitive we are constantly adding new charts our clients have amazing ideas on how to else cut and slice the data analyze really the end-to-end -end from order to last mile delivery first attempt and that kind of stuff so upgrading analytics we're upgrading our notifications. Just the other day, someone was saying, hey, actually, I would like to have a notification when there was no update within a certain time range. So no update at all. So we launched this as a new standard notification trigger. It's included in our notify package. But then, yeah, as you said, there's heaps of other exciting stuff that we're doing next to returns. We are really doubling down on the data piece. The prediction that we can do at checkout is just one really cool application on the knowledge that we can aggregate across all the shipment volume that we have. And we're currently working together with our customers on a few more applications to just make things a lot smarter and uh, knowing whether the customer is at home, where they would like to have the delivery instead. There's so much insight that we can generate for our clients. So we're just expanding our machine learning teams across all the regions. And we just had our head of data coming on board, all a fantastic experience in this. So really doubling down there. And the other thing that we're doing apart from the product expansion is, of course, geographic expansion. We believe that we want to be close to our customers. A couple of months back, we opened our New York office. We now also have an office in Amsterdam. And then, of course, we're seeing a lot of traction right now also in South America. And there's a few more ideas that we have to also cater to these markets. Um, so pretty exciting stuff. And the team continuously is growing on our end. Love that. And how, do you cover most of the major carriers down in the better APAC region? I know, obviously, you've done covered Southeast Asia very well, but how about the ANZ region in particular? Do you have pretty good coverage down here? I know we have fantastic coverage and we work with a lot of leading brands like the Catch Group in Australia, of course, Mecca. So really across all industry verticals. At this stage, we have a team that solely focuses on building new carrier integrations. And we're like literally asking our customers, hey, 
what's next here in Europe? What's quite cool to see is there's a lot of like more sustainable delivery options coming on board. Can be like cargo bikes delivering or like other models. And we're just onboarding them. Our guarantee is we will cover 100% of your volume. We, we just need a hint on which carrier is missing. And then within a matter of maximum four weeks, we would get them fully integrated and fully mapped as well. Love the level of commitment. And if you had one piece of advice for e-commerce merchants when they were selecting their primary carrier or carriers that they were going to work with, given the breadth of your experience in this industry and given the challenges that logistics has been facing and continues to face, what would be one piece of advice that you would give merchants, whether they be new or existing merchants, that, that when they're looking for a carrier to work with, what are some of those features or what are some of those key attributes of a good carrier that from all of your data that makes one carrier better than another? What should they be looking for as key attributes of a carrier they should be working with? Yeah, fantastic question. So I would encourage everyone out there in the industry to not just look at cost and capability. I see a lot of discussions. I know logistics is hard on the e-commerce margins, but if we look ahead in the next month where things are getting increasingly difficult also, of course, in the economic environment we are in, it's all about differentiating yourself by giving a fantastic customer experience. So if you look at picking a carrier, don't just look at the cost that's associated to it and which trade dates that they can deliver to, but also really analyze the quality of data, the visibility that they give to your customers and also additional options, for example, like rescheduling deliveries. And that's super powerful. People change daily schedules. There needs to be an amount of flexibility for the customers. But the first very important step is that you give your customer visibility because that is what truly sets you apart from the competition. That's what encourages them to actually hit the checkout button and not go somewhere else. So double down on customer experience and this extends to the carrier that you are choosing. And the best place to, to figure this one out is to also test the data. So if, you, if you're thinking about onboarding a new carrier, send a few test shipments or get their data in. With the help of our tool, you can actually quickly analyze it and you would very quickly also get a good glimpse on the depth of information and the depth of services that is offered to the end consumer, but that will truly set you apart. What an incredible piece of advice. I could not agree more with you. Now we're coming to the end of our time together and I do appreciate all the information you provided. You're just such a wealth of knowledge, obviously in this space, this is your baby. I can hear and sense and feel the passion in your voice and the way that you talk about this and the way you talk about your business, the way you talk about the, your clients. I can just, it's palpable the level of passion you have for what you are doing. And that is always a very that always makes me feel very excited because it, it means that you're building something that that is going to change the world and it's to a large degree from the sounds of it already changed the world and that is an exciting place to be now we're at the point where i'm going to turn the tables on myself i'm going to turn the microphone over to you i'm going to let you ask me one question any question you like and i'm going to do my level best to answer it so <clears throat> microphone over to you donna from parcel perform what is your question for me yeah, Jason, thanks for allowing me to ask one back. And uh, this is going to be an unusual one, but something I uh, very deeply care about. Diversity in e-commerce and logistics. Uh, how can we make this industry more attractive to young talent, but also to diverse talent? How can we get more females to be excited about the stuff that we talked about today and bring them more cl and closer to our industry? Jason, what do you think? 
Yeah, look, our industry does suffer like many other industries. I'll be pretty perfectly honest with you. I guess I fit into this next description that I'm going to give out, but it, it tends to be a little bit male, pale, stale. That's just the way our industry oftentimes is. And But I have actually seen improvement on this front, say in the last two, two, three years, I have seen conference organizers go out of their way to make, say, for example, panels, discussion panels, more fair, more even, actually seeking out women, seeking out minorities, seeking out, making it more fair to give airtime to people in our industry that have historically maybe either been ignored or marginalized. So I, do I think we're there yet? Absolutely not. But I think that hopefully the types of discussions that you and I have just had will be inspirational to other women out there, for example, minorities, etc. So I think it's about having these discussions and it's my hope that when people hear this kind of podcast from someone who is clearly so intelligent, so smart, has built an incredible business, has built it off the sweat of her own brow, also happens to be female. Not that's the, the primary differentiator of your business, but you happen to be female. And so therefore, I think other women should and rightly do, I'm sure, look up to you as someone who they respect and say, hey, if she can do it then I can do it. And so it's my hope that these types of conversations that we're having right now open those doors for other people. And it's the idea of putting pushing the ladder back down again. Uh, this industry has treated me incredibly well over the last 20 years. It's allowed me to make an incredible living. It's, a, it's allowed me to do something I absolutely love. And that confluence of doing something I love and also being able to make a living from it, not everybody gets to have that in their life. And so I feel extremely privileged to work in this industry. I always have felt that way. And I feel it's a pretty tight-knit industry. I am, I'm trying to push the ladder back down. And I think that without trying to get too grandiose, I think a lot of little steps like this do and will continue to make a difference, but we just have to keep doing it. And that's really the only answer I have. And it's probably not a sexy answer, but I think it's, I think it's a realistic one that's achievable. Yeah, Jason, I love it. And you just said it, it's not about being female, but I got to admit, I made it my point. We got to show more females that this is an exciting industry, logistic tech. It doesn't sound as sexy, but it's really what makes the world go round. And here at Pass Perform, uh, we made it a point to be 50% female, not just the senior management, but like really throughout all the teams. We hope that we can also do our small part to encourage more diversity in this industry as well. Wow. I love it. I love that commitment and I love that initiative. It's, it is truly amazing. I, I always encourage people to to base any hiring decision, et cetera, et cetera, on merit. But it also, I think it also makes a difference when we at least create equal opportunity. And I think that's what historically has maybe been lacking in some respects is we haven't created equal opportunity. We can't guarantee equal outcomes, but I think we should absolutely be aiming for equal opportunity. And it sounds like that is exactly what you're doing. So I totally applaud and respect that. Amazing work on your behalf. So Thank you very much for coming on. Thank you for sharing your story. It is an amazing story, amazing technology. I think it's something that our industry desperately needs, particularly as it relates to the end customer experience at such a critical touch point of engagement with them. So thank you for sharing all the wisdom that you have. And I'd love to, I'd love to get you back on another 6, 12, 18 months and see how much Parcel Perform has grown because I'm sure you've got a huge future ahead of you. Yeah, thank you so much, Jason. This was great fun, fantastic podcast. I'm definitely going to listen to the next ones too. And yeah, I hope we get to meet one day. It would be amazing. Are you a merchant or software vendor that is focused on e-commerce or omni-channel? Then head over to greenwoodconsulting.net to see how we can help you scale your business.